This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. You know, we're all feeling pretty festive here on the Brisbane Football Review. Hello, everyone, and we hope you're enjoying your December period and ideally getting a little bit of time off, but we're not stopping because the football is rolling on. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on Clutch Radio for another week, and we thought this was going to be a fairly busy show, and that's why we've brought forward our recording to Tuesday evening, and that's also why you may be listening to us after the Raw's FFA Cup game for the men. We've still got plenty to talk about. Scott, how are you? I'm good. Very festive, but good. How are you, James? Pretty good, thanks. Adam, have you got all your Christmas shopping done? Uh, I'm a male. No. (laughs) So I'll be fighting with you for a car park on Thursday morning then. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that. Maybe Friday. Oh, that's right. Christmas is on a Saturday. Well, I've completely ballsed (laughs) up this introduction, so let's just get on to the regular plugs. This is the Brisbane Football Review on Clutch Radio. It's James Scott and Adam. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, The Raw Review. Twitter, at BNE Football. I definitely just didn't have a mental blank on what our Facebook page was. On those social accounts, you can find live coverage of every senior Brisbane Raw match, men's and women's, as well as select National Premier League matches, which, as we found out about 10 minutes ago with a release from Football Queensland, that'll be kicking off in only a couple of months. So we've got a lot to look forward to there. Uh, podcast available on the A-League Live app, as well as Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. I'm pretty sure it's still on TuneIn Radio. And several other good podcast outlets. Now, we normally lead off with the A-League men's uh, results from the last few days. But instead, it was the women taking centre stage due to the men's postponement. So... It was a crowd of 1,258 people up at Morton Daly Stadium on what was a beautiful, albeit a little bit warm, Saturday afternoon as the Raw gallantly went down 3-2 to the Melbourne victory. Goals from Williams, Withers and Zimmerman were enough for the victory to put the game away. But the Raw did finish with a very wet sail. Shay Connors opened her account for the season, as did Larissa Crummer. And first thoughts was... It did send the Raw to zero wins, three losses on the season. But considering the way that they really did go after the victory, Scott, I didn't actually feel that disappointed in the overall result. Did you? It seemed like a better performance than the one against against Perth the week before, didn't it, in terms of the fact that they were really they were in this game a lot and they had a lot of good opportunities to talk about over the course of the next 10 minutes or so, but they had a lot of good opportunities where they could have capitalised on things. They were able to get in behind victory quite a bit and they create opportunities they didn't take them Victory's class though was just it just shone through in the end didn't it the front the, the front third with Lynn Williams and Catherine Zimmerman were absolutely outstanding and Harriet Withers who's played in the NPL Queensland a couple of years ago up here with Souths and a couple of other clubs and those those three combined beautifully didn't they James and some of the, the goals they put together were superb so they did deserve the points but the Raw were a lot better in this game than they had been the week before yeah and on that Adam we'll go to you next on this where Yes, the victory were the better team. There's no debating that, no arguing that. But the Raw ran them a lot closer. Uh, and I think that was because it seemed like they'd finally started to click in attack. Was that down to the introduction of Katrina Gorry from the outset this time? 
Yeah, look, I think so. But um, look, I think from a general point of view, uh, I think Gareth McPherson and, and his coach staff would be absolutely kicking themselves um, about the two unlucky performances, even more against Perth. Because if they take, if they win both games or even one of those two games, then you could say almost that okay, going down three-two in a valiant effort to the defending champions is a good effort, and its season's not is is still with to play for. But they're they're now zero and three, and you can't you can't escape it. They're they're bottom of the ladder at the moment, or clo- close to it uh, as bottom. Um, so. From from a full season point of view, yeah, it's it's really it's really struggle street, and you don't want to be zero three in a, in a twelve um, game season. But look, I think they were much improved. Um, that that midfield seems to be a lot more solidified with Katrina Gary running it, albeit for forty five minutes. Well, that was the interesting thing though, where both of their goals actually came in the second half after Gory had been substituted. But the way that she was just running play in the first half. I'd say, okay, probably not the best player on the pitch, Katrina Gori, but she was certainly the Raw's best in the first half. But it was that uh, duo of Williams and Withers that really made the difference for victory with those two combining and providing assists for the other's goal. And it was Williams that opened the scoring just before halftime. And we were talking about at halftime how the Raw were in the game, Scott. But then, what was it, 20 seconds in, where all of a sudden we had to, you know, frantically sit there and go, oh... The Roar are now down 2-0. Yeah, that was probably the most disappointing thing, wasn't it? Because I'm sure they had a plan to get back into the game in the second half. They just obviously brought Rikitano, Warren Ford, Katrina Gori, and what was probably a pre-programmed change. There would have been a plan around how they go about restructuring in the start of the second half. And all that was almost thrown out the window, wasn't it? And you're right, that combination between Williams and Withers was outstanding. It must be nice to have be able to bring in a... U.S. international for a short-term signing. It's one of those rare luxuries that the defending champions have got, but they can play well, and that second goal did really change whatever plan the Raw might have had. They pushed pushed forward a lot, still created opportunities. We'll talk about the goals in a minute, but that second goal was a bit of a hammer blow, wasn't it? It, it was, and you could feel that really did take the air out of the stadium, but Shay Connors, she could have very easily had about four or five uh, in that game on her own, and she eventually, you know, persistence paid off. It was a beautiful uh, through ball from Jesse Rashett, which I believe it is now. I was originally told it was Raskett, but we'll run with Rashett from now on. Uh, beautiful through ball, and Connors, you know, made no mistake. And she had a pretty solid shout for a penalty as well, Adam. She she did have a shout for a penalty, and I think, it, um, depending on who you speak to, I think it was a, it was a very legitimate shout. But uh, not only that, then it was a very, very tight offside as well, just after she scored, which could have made it 2-2 and really game on, um, which uh, was, was flagged very quickly by the um, assistant referee, which, look, at the end of the day, I'm with, especially with no, no VAR in operation in the A-League women's, um, look, at the end of the day, I can, I can live with that, uh, you know, that... At least it's a quick call, uh, unless it's um, rather than the, unless it's obviously you know, a mistake. But it was a very tight call. But if uh, how did the uh, lines the uh, lines person kept their flag down, and that and that's that's recorded two all with um with twenty minutes to go, that could be anyone's game. Yeah, and the raw did finish the uh, stronger of the two sides, even though Zimmerman did put the icing on the cake in the eighty fifth minute. But on that. Uh, penalty shout, we did actually ask uh, Amy Chapman after the game, and she agreed with us that it was pretty well a stonewall penalty, Scott. Yeah, that seems to be the perception, wasn't it? It was one of those where maybe it wasn't sold well enough? 
Is that was that? That's kind of the feeling. Yeah. Right? If it wasn't, if it's been sold a bit better, it might have been given. But look, I can see why it wasn't given. But it probably was a penalty in fairness. And the good thing with Shea in general was that when that goal went into, you could see the confidence coming back into her play. It started to look like the play we'd seen throughout the MPL over the last 12 months. You got to see that confidence coming back, and that was encouraging. And going forward for the Raw, they're playing Canberra on Thursday. That's the sort of thing they really needed was to get her confidence flowing, and now hopefully can bag a few more goals and maybe get that first win. Yeah, the relief uh, was palpable from Connors as well. And similarly so, I thought, for uh, Larissa Kramer, who in the five minutes of stoppage time at the end did give the Raw just a little bit of hope that they might have been able to go on and somehow manage to pinch a point off the victory. It was, it, it took a couple of goes, but Kramer was starting to see her return to that form that we know she's capable of with that, you know, speed and power and overall determination to uh, get on the end of the rebound and finish uh, for the raw second goal, Adam. Yeah, um, it's it is um, like we always said that you know the Raw's chances of uh, even being competitive in this uh, in this league was going to come down to how many goals that you know Shea Connors and Lisa Crummer could could score, and uh, at least they both got on the score sheet, which is you know which is very you know confidence building for them. But just for victory, um, look, Lynn Williams, I think she was the star of the show, and like she yep. she was you know the best player on the pitch, and you can see why she's now a you know a starter for the world number one team. In in the uh, United States women's team, she she is that good, and um, and it, it told that she was the class in this. Yep. Well, um, we just discussed the victories American. We will hear from one of the Raw's Americans. We had a chance to uh, do the press conference with Shay Connors after the match, so let's hear what she had to say. Uh, Shay, tough result this afternoon, but uh, signs of encouragement in the second half. Definitely. It's, it's frustrating again to lose, but if you look at the result on paper, it doesn't reflect the game. Like, I think we're a really strong side, and when we get the first W, I think, like, we'll be really a strong contender later on in the season. And uh, for you personally, getting the goal to open up the account yes. on the season, how big of a relief was that? Oh, that was good. I, I hadn't gone that many games without a goal, even though it was only two in, like, a very long time. So get the confidence back up, so more chances will come for sure. And how are you finding adapting to the A-League after such success in the NPL? Uh, I think it's good. I'm surrounded by a lot of the same players, and then like, just it's it's good when you're surrounded by good people. Like, you can still do well. So, um, in terms of the game, how do you think it went for the Brisbane Roar in general? It's disappointing again, I will say, because it's just so frustrating because we're, we're not playing bad, but it's just like minor lapses in play that's costing us games. So, but overall, I, I think the performance, the comeback, and the second half besides the first 30 seconds. Um, you know, I, I felt like we were the stronger team. They weren't even having many chances, so that was promising. So what do you think you can look forward to um, when you go to Canberra to verse them? I, we want to smash Canberra, yeah. I think, at this point. We're going to go hard, because three losses is not, not, not who we want to be. And the coaching staff, Gareth, they're still fully behind you guys, getting uh, you ready every week? Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going into it looking at the losses. We're just looking at the next game. Because, like I said, I think we were, we are a dangerous team, and we can, we can get the W eventually. Can I just ask the decision to take Mini off at half time? Was there any injury there, or was that just a tactical call? Um, it was, it was planned. I think it was. It's a loading thing, yeah, so sure. just to prevent um, injury as she's coming back. So she'll probably get more minutes over the course of the season. And big thanks to Shay for taking the time to speak with us after what had been a very draining game and a very frustrating game 
not only for her, but for the entire uh, Raw side. But I think it was me who asked a question about that uh, sense of relief when that goal went in. And, you know, it was only audio, but you could definitely see, like, she felt the uh, pressure coming off her shoulders as well. Because coming with the reputation that she had from NPL Queensland, 51 goals in 30-odd games, that's ridiculous. Like, nobody should be scoring that many goals outside of a video game. But now it does seem like she's starting to learn how to play the defenders at the next level up in the A-League women's. And for me, this is something that I feel like, you know, she and Kramer and a lot of the players who have graduated up from MPL Queensland are starting to learn about. Because as far as I'm concerned, Scott, the victory are the uh, benchmark of the competition so far. They are. And that's the sort of thing we saw 12 months ago with players like Mariel Hecker, James, going through the exact same process of outstanding form and performances at the NPL level, but when they got up to that A-League women's level, or W-League at that point, but when they got to that level, it was a level up for them. They had to work out how to play at this level, how to read the defenders, how to move into the space and create the chances and score the goals, and we're seeing that now with this next wave of players from the comp- that competition. And it worked well with Marielle. The more and more that they through the season last year, she got better and better, and I'm sure that will be the case as well for players like Shay Connors and a few of the other players as well. So I think, again, it, you have to start somewhere and that first goal is really important, but that confidence will grow the more she gets used to playing at that level. should point out, it wasn't actually Connors' first goal for the Raw. She did score, I think, two in her brief cameo at the end of two seasons ago, but this does feel like a very different uh, prospect for her here. So before we get the angry tweet saying we forgot about her previous time with the Raw, yeah, Adam, now over to you. I reckon it would have been Shay herself that would have given me a tweet on that. Probably. Yeah, look, uh, she, look she's, just a, she's just a natural-born goal scorer, and you could tell that you know, the frustration of not actually scoring goals. You know, she, she, I think she, back, she would back herself to score against any defenders, and when it's not happening, you can tell the frustration. So I think it's a case of, um, yeah, just just get, you know, getting that confidence back, getting seeing the ball get in the back of the net, and I, I think, you know, she, she may go onward for here. As far as Mary Hecker goes, I, I, I agree with Scott that, you know, last year, you know, obviously she, she she came into the league with a reputation of being you know, a high-class MPL player, but was probably finding her feet at that next level, the W League, you know, A-League women's level. You look at her in these first three games, and you can tell she looks like a player that belongs at this level. And, that, and that's what you go. That's just what I hope for for a lot of these players coming through. They've, they've played the majority of their time in, you know, the NPL Queensland and even the NPL in other states for, for you know, some of the other clubs that, to find their feet so they can actually get feel confident that they belong at that level. So I think again, I think it's a whole rebuilding process. Well, a building process for the Raw. So I think yeah, a good performance, a strong performance. But as I said at the top, I think they'd be absolutely kicking themselves that you know the two performances you know against Perth may really stunt the, their hopes for this season. Yeah, and that's unfortunately it, where the record might not reflect the overall performance of the squad, but to steal a line from another sport, you are what your record says you are. So now they've got to try and find a way to possibly steal a few uh, points here and st- try and steal a few points here and there that maybe we didn't expect them to get at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, it was a Really nice afternoon out at Morton Daly Stadium. I was actually really glad I still made the effort to go out, even though the result wasn't overly cooperative. They did have the toy toss organised by the Raw Supporters Federation and the club before the game as well. I was still working. I uh, was still walking in at that point. You guys saw it, 
Uh, either of you have any uh, thoughts on that? Scott, we'll go. Oh, look, the Toy Sauce thing was really cool. I'm just, as Adam crossed up along, um, I was just saying, just thinking, you said it was really nice day up there at Morton Day Stadium. That's not the phrase that was floating around. A lot of it was a boiling hot day. It was nice at the end of the game. If the A-League men's game had gone ahead, that would have been in perfect conditions, but it was very, very hot up there, wasn't it? I was actually surprised there was no drinks break, actually, because it was very, very warm up there. So I was surprised there wasn't a drinks break. I, I just like the scenery of seeing the sunset over uh, the western stand, but that's just me. Anyway, and besides, we were over on the uh, eastern stand cooking in the sun as well, so, you know, first world problems for those <laughs> on that side of the stadium. But either way... Um, we talked about the building process for the uh, for the Raw, and it was a debut for Isabella Folletta, player number 105. I'm going to keep talking until Adam stops choking on his drink. Um, <laughs> she came on as a uh, substitute in the second half, I believe. And, uh, yeah, like, it, it's tough to judge a defender in a game where you're really starting to push forward and have to chase a scoreline. Now, Adam, are you back with us? I am. Okay, good. Give us your player of the year votes. Uh, yep, so three points. Um, I think it's no, comes no surprise. Three points to Shay Connors. Great game. She, she's finding her form at last. Uh, two points to Mariel Hecker. I thought she, she was great running in that in that midfield number 10 role. Um, very, very unlucky not to sort of, you know, open up the um, the victory defence. And one point, uh, Je- Jesse Rashford. Look, I think uh, defensively she's been far and away, you know, you know been valuable for the Raw um, in defence and yeah she gets one point no arguments with any of that and yeah so, some weeks you do struggle to find three players other times you struggle to cut it down to three players and well we hope that this is something that the Raw can build on ahead of their Thursday night trip to Canberra which we will uh, get into a little bit more detail on later in the show the other A-League women's games this weekend Western Sydney 1-1 against Newcastle Melbourne City 3-1 against Adelaide. And Sydney 3-0 over Wellington. I'm an idiot and almost asked where the um, Melbourne victory result was. It, it's been a long day. <laughs> per- Perth Glory and Canberra uh, United was postponed due to the um, border restrictions. Yep, that is right. Speaking of border restrictions, um, well, the Glory's men's side had a shocker of a week there is really no delicate way to um, discuss it a player tested positive uh, the sad thing is actually would handling everything I would say quite smartly flying into Brisbane on a Monday giving themselves a full week to acclimatize themselves to the southeast Queensland humidity and unfortunately one of the players in their team uh, tested positive it's been rumored that it was one of their players I won't name them because well you can go search it out on Twitter if you're really that desperate to find out who it's supposed to be. But because of the state's close contact laws, the entire squad, bar Brandon O'Neill, uh, is was deemed a close contact and now forced into 14 days of hotel quarantine, which started on Thursday. It's just a really crappy situation, isn't it, Adam? Uh, yeah, there's no other way to put it. Uh, it, it is a very, very tough situation. Um... The the I guess the silver lining may be that uh, I did see on Twitter this afternoon that potentially that the rules are going to change as far as the close contact to a vaccinated who we believe that uh, all the Perth players are vaccinated. 
therefore it may be reduced to seven days so whether it's enough um, and maybe be able to go home in time uh, for Christmas the only problem is then they've got to deal with the West Australian government's um, rules as far as quarantine goes which means that they may be back in Perth but not with their families for Christmas but uh, it's an awful situation uh, for them I I think you know I speak for most football fans saying that they you know even even if you don't like Perth glory you know you know 300 days of the year otherwise um, I think I think yeah it's you wouldn't wish this upon your worst enemies even your you know your football enemies yeah, it's a desperately sad and frustrating situation, isn't it? I mean, and we all saw this story breaking on last Thursday. We all knew exactly what was going to happen instantly, given the given the the rules the Queensland government put in, James, around around close contacts with COVID cases. We knew the game was going to be off, and that Perth were highly likely to be forced into this highly unfortunate situation. And it's, it's especially bad because when they embarked on this long road trip that they've been on, James, all around all through Victoria initially and out to South Australia. They were told they would be back in Perth by Christmas, and this was the last piece of the puzzle. And it seemed like the border was open between Brisbane and Perth until early last week, and that was a case that they would be able to get back. And then of course, it's all changed in the last week, so it is desperately sad and frustrating. And it does sound like there might be some kind of hope to Adam's point, where the players with family in Western Australia might be going back to Perth if what Adam says ends up happening, that they go back to Perth. And the players without any connections to play people over there might go straight down to Sydney where the team is due to meet up at some point in January to resume the season. So it's just, it's really tough for them. This is the third year in a row they've had to deal with all of this all of this COVID quarantining and all the rest of it. And we've, we've seen how hard it is on the Raw, James. Remember when they had to, when the hub in 2020 in Sydney where that was considered to be unsafe when the... They came back to Brisbane. They had to go through the hard, hard two-week quarantine. You can imagine how hard and frustrating it's to do once, and this is the second or third time that Perth have been in this predicament, and it's just incredibly frustrating for them, given that they were told they would be back by Christmas, and it doesn't, at this point, seem like they're going to be. And, well, actually, just on that as well, I think, similar to the Roar in 2020, it was a case of a last-minute button hook and a uh, change of border status from memory as well where they actually weren't allowed they thought they were going to be able to come home and quarantine at their homes I'm pretty sure or not or something like it was like. very last minute they were told on the day of the game weren't they that they were going to have to do the hotel quarantine something like that yeah and uh, but I will also say uh, quick well done to Donna from the Far Post Perth who uh, is organising some supplies and goodies with the help of the football community to uh, keep these guys in as good a spirits as possible uh, through the course of their uh, hotel quarantine. And we do hope the players are, uh, you know, finding ways to stay entertained. I'm hoping that some of them were possibly even able to bring a video game system or two. That's probably how I would be trying to get through the 14 days quarantine. But um, yeah, just fingers crossed it will all work out for them as well. And look, at this stage, football just has to take a back seat. Um, and hopefully it will all uh, yeah, all sort itself out sooner rather than... a big th- backlog of games for them at the end of the season, but that's just the way it's going to have to be. Well, yeah, they've had two games postponed already. So the Raw game at Morton Daly and I believe it was a... Adelaide. Adelaide on what was meant to be the 23rd of December. Um, so fingers crossed that it stays as just the two games to be... Well, I read somewhere a couple of days ago that they're not playing until the end of January. 
end of January. Oh, that somewhere in the mid, mid to late January. Apparently, they're not going to. Well, I suppose they would. Yeah, I suppose they would have to do their best to try and get up to speed, uh, fitness-wise as well. So, so it's when not. When does that border open? This is not football, right? But when does that border open? Because when that happens, we should hopefully be able to stop from Perth's from Perth's perspective to be able to stop having to deal with this every time. I believe the last I heard out of the WA government was the 5th of February there that they're going to open like like Queensland and the rest of the states have. Obviously there's the whole uh, political side and the very opinion which this this show's not what is for but uh, let's just hope that that's all that all you know it all opens up as far as you know for a football sense and that you know that so it's one just, more yeah, cause... one more road trip basically and then at the end of that if it all goes to plan, they should be able to go back to Perth and just, just Pretty much. I, I think that may be the way this is heading, where they're going to try and get as many road games as, as possible done, you know, in the um, in the eastern states, and, you know, in January, early February. Once that border opens, I can see, you know, basically a parade of, you know, teams going across the Nullarbor, and pretty much they're going to have, like, they could have, you know, a six or seven game home stand almost, so... Which they did last year as well, from memory, so... Mm. Um, just... Uh, on that as well, uh, on the other A-League club uh, that is doing it uh, in hub life at the moment, um, the Wellington Phoenix of Wollongong. Uh, this just came through from uh, Michael Atkinson. He's a Channel 9 sports reporter. And he was pointing out that uh, a 2022 Super Rugby draw rejig is now certain after the New Zealand government's decision to push back the date of reopening the border to Australia to late February. Um, that would mean that in that competition, a Super Rugby Australia-style format is likely for the first few weeks at least, including the Fijian Drua. And, you know, not to divulge too far down the Rugby Union timeline, but that would presumably mean that the uh, Knicks will still be in Wollongong for a little while yet. And it presumably means that Wellington are looking at a situation, best-case scenario, where they get a couple of games at the back end of the season in front of their home fans once again, which is what I'm sure they're all very much looking forward to. But they've been football starved over there in New Zealand, and hopefully we can get back there. But it doesn't sound like it'll be anytime soon. Adam? Yeah, that's uh, that, that is uh, fairly sort of, I guess, a bit disappointing uh, that for Wellington, who probably of all all the A League clubs, are probably the worst team have suffered through this pandemic. Um, but uh, but yeah, look, let's just hope that you know the New Zealand government they they stick to what they're saying, and that yeah, the borders will be open for them, you know, in March. Well, uh, I will point out that they were supposed to have three straight home games uh, in early February. Actually, four, I beg your pardon, from January 29th. Uh, Victory, MacArthur, Adelaide and Sydney FC. I'm just very slowly scrolling through their fixtures now and seeing there are a few games that they may... Well, they've got uh, Melbourne Victory on match week 26, so they may try and reorganise a few of those fixtures uh, to try and play uh, a few of those games back in Wellington. Where they can, Wellington should be playing every game away as, as, an, as an away game right now. All yep. these games they're playing should be considered away games, and when they get back over there, they should be getting some home games. Because I know Wollongong is becoming their home away from home and all the rest of it, but it's not home for them. Let's be honest, it's not. So if they can, they should, as soon as they get back over there, like what we're saying with Perth, it should be like a six or seven game homestand if they can get that many games in in that, in that period of time at home. But there's not much else we can really talk about until the situation comes a bit clearer. Yeah, pretty these much. These are the two teams which have really suffered the, the most from it, haven't they? Isn't it? Yeah, Perth absolutely. 
And it is worth pointing out that it is a phenomenal sacrifice for them to be able to, you know, make all that happen. So uh, a qu- I've just had a quick uh, Google search and found on the ABC. End of February is the only date that I can see listed thus far. So, you know, eventually it's going to have to find a way to open. But I suppose the earliest you might be looking at could be that March 6th game against Melbourne City, which all things considered wouldn't be the worst homecoming game to have but you may very well actually find just looking at their schedule the Roar are meant to be traveling down to Wollongong on January 5th um, and they're also meant to be playing and then the, uh, Wellington are also meant to be hosting the Raw on April 6th I would not be surprised at all if that if some of those games wound up getting uh, rotated around so the, should. yeah mm. so we will see just what happens. Actually, yeah, the Roar are also hosting Wellington on the 12th of March. So you never know, that could also wind up getting flipped over too. And this is all the stuff that we kind of just have to pad out that segment with while we are trying to, well, replicate our usual match recaps. Uh, some of the other Round 5 games from the A-League men's. Western United, 1-0, because that seems to be the only score that they're capable of playing to at the moment. Uh, 1-0 over Adelaide United. Central Coast, 2-0 over Western Sydney. Oh, boy, Carl Robinson's in a bit of trouble. Melbourne City, 2-2 against Melbourne Victory. Disappointing. Actually, we'll pause on this one quickly and get your thoughts on this. 66,000 people watched that on Channel 10. That was the official rating. How did... Like, that's got to be the best ad for the A-League you can find. Dramatic derby, late drama goals what more do the people want it, it was up against primetime test cricket in the ashes so you've got to factor that in but still i get your point it is a bit of a disappointing television number the actual game though was outstanding I only caught the last 30 minutes of this by the time i got home but gee that was a fun derby that it seems to be the christmas derby in particular it seems to dish up the most dramatic stuff in this melbourne derby and that was another great example of it you're right it was a great it's, it's a good advert for a the A-League in Australian football as you're going to find. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, about the ratings go. Uh, Scott's right. You know, nothing is going to prosper when you've got, you know, when when you've got day, I think, day two of the um, of the Ashes, you know, the, the day-night tests in Adelaide. Um, yeah, like I said, 66,000 again. I think expectation as well was always going to be, you know, what, what really was going to be the... Yeah, you know, what a pass a pass mark as far as a rating goes on free to wear channel ten at the moment. And I think, especially this time of year, you really can't read much into it. I don't know. We became the Brisbane Cricket Review a couple of weeks ago, James, and just a bit of an update: England are still hopeless. Funnily enough, <laughs> yeah, don't really need an in-depth review for that one. Um, but just on that as well, like people want football on free to wear TV. And then don't watch it. I just don't get it. Like, what more do you need? Saturday primetime. But, yeah, anyway. I'd just be curious to know if the, that number was actually an increase on what we've seen from the previous couple of weeks as well and how it compares to the Round 1 Sydney Derby, which was also on free. I'd be intrigued to see the comparison for television number because if I think back in isolation, just thinking about those two derbies in particular, the Melbourne Derby was a far better game. It was always going to be a far better game than that round one Sydney Derby, but I would imagine that given it was round one, all the hype and the build-up, it probably did got a better television number. So I'd be intrigued to know exactly what those numbers were for those games and what they have been more broadly for the first four or five weeks of the season. 
and I don't. I just, I just think with um, with ratings between about fifteenth December and fifteenth of January, um, look, you just, you just can't really read into it. I just think there's just too much else going on. Not, not only, not only um, to do with you know other options as far as viewing goes, but I just think in general, you know, people having Christmas parties, you know, people, you know, being out, you know. Being out and you know with family or whatnot, I just think yeah, like I understand it's important to be able to gauge the metrics on it, but I wouldn't be losing I wouldn't be losing our minds about you know sixty six thousand um, on a game a, a game at Christmas time. I think if it's sixty six thousand come you know the, the back end of the season or even less than that, then yeah I, I'd be I'd start to be worried. But uh, yeah, it's very very difficult to, to get a read on it, a true read on it right now. Okay, fair enough. I just, yeah. And also, the argument about um, the audience being cannibalised because of having two games at once doesn't really work for this week either because the other 6.45 game, or 7.45 if you're on daylight saving time, uh, actually wound up being postponed. Uh, But just looking ahead uh, at the schedule, March 12th, uh, 6.45 Brisbane time, uh, that is what appears to be the next derby between those two sides as well. So we might get an idea then on uh, how those ratings are going then. Anyway, in the meantime, uh, we'll keep moving on, going through the other results. MacArthur 2-1 over Newcastle. Phenomenal effort from the Bulls. Sydney FC finally got their win 2-0 over Wellington. Now, Adam, you had a stat question for us this week. Do you want to tell us what it was? Yeah, so I, I sort of uh, I thought, and I, I messaged Scott uh, about it, and I, I sort of I asked, when was the last time that the Raw started the first five games of the season with eight or more points from a max of fifteen? So Scott, as he as he does uh, with all our stats, he did a bit of uh, trawling through it, and he actually came up with a um, with basically the the Brisbane Roar's first five games from all seasons right back to season one. Scott, you're our stats man. Take yeah, so the basically, you asked the question of the first five games, how many times have the Raw got at least eight points out of 15? And the answer is seven, James. Seven out of 17 times. Well, it's going to be seven out of 17 because the Raw do have one game left before they get the five-game mark this year, but they're only on one point now. So they're not going to reach that marker this year. So it's seven from 17 is the answer. And they did it last year, funnily enough, actually, as well, because they lost the first game against Melbourne City at home narrowly. That was a that Connor Metcalf goal where the Raw played really well. But they then went on and racked up four straight wins. So the start to the year last year was actually quite encouraging. And that's the most recent time they've done that. They also did that a few years ago in the championship years and all the rest of it. So they've done it a few times, but this year not quite, not quite going to hit that mark. Yeah. Yeah, no, but last four out of five years. Um, I actually, um, admittedly, I actually thought it was at least five straight years that the Roars had a slow start, but then I forgot um, that the Raw did... They lost their first game against Melbourne City and then won the next uh, four or five, I think. So they, they got to a flying start. Um, but interesting as well, but going back through history, um, there, was a, there was a season in particular... Where the raw had a very slow, had a sort of slow start and came good. Scott, which one is it? What's up? Which season did the raw have a slow start and then came good? It's actually, funnily enough, it was season 2010-11, where they only, where they were just two wins from their first five, and then after that, we all know what happened after that. 
Yes. And now, I might share this out tomorrow, by the way, on our social media platforms, so for people to have a look through so they can actually see what we're actually talking about. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, it's not that, exactly an audio. It's not a uh, visual aid, unfortunately, you know, talking about on a podcast, but... Well, it's still fun to talk about. Okay, so that 2010-11 season. Two wins, one loss, two draws. Now, I'm going to see if I can remember that off the top of my head. I may get the order of operations a little bit mixed up, but I'm going to say there was... The nil-nil draw at Gold Coast United in round one. Yep. Uh, round two was a one-nil win over Sydney FC at Suncorp Stadium. Round three was the three-nil loss away to Melbourne victory where Kevin Musket broke Enrique's arm, then screamed at him for having the audacity to have a bone broken. It was in there. I don't have to check the exact order off the top of my head, but yeah, keep going. There was a 1-0 win over the Wellington Phoenix. And that... W- and then I'm going to guess round five was a 0-0 draw, but I could not for the life of me tell you who it was against. Right. Okay, so round one was Gold Coast, a 0 all draw. Yeah. I believe they then had a bye in there after that, but the second game was Sydney FC 1-0. The third game was Wellington 1-0. Victory versus Brisbane was the fifth game in that five-game run, James. Okay. The fourth game was Newcastle away and they'll all draw. Okay, you know what? I'm pretty damn impressed with my recollection Which of that. I believe was a game where the, was the wind was blowing a gale and it was most remembered for the fact that the ad boards were not standing up on that game. That's about the only thing I can remember from that nil all draw. Okay, well, there you go. And then after that, the rest, as we said, the rest is history. And they yeah. and they never lost again. Yeah, something yeah. something thirty six something Six, yeah. something. <laughs> something something two nil and you something did up. Uh, couple. All of... I take from this is that the Roar about to go on a thirty six game unbeaten run and win the double. That's all I take from this this last couple of minutes. There you go, Warren. No pressure. Um, <laughs> moving on, NPL transfer news. Couple of signings for uh, Gold Coast Knights ahead of their NPL no ahead of their FFA Cup clash with. Melbourne victory tomorrow night as we're recording. Mirza Muradovic and Jai Ingham have signed uh, for the Knights. Olympic have signed a very intriguing midfielder out of NPL Victoria. Scott? Yes, Takero Okada, who was playing for Wollongong Wolves and Heidelberg United in the last couple of seasons. And fans of the NPL Queensland, or fans of Lions more specifically, may remember they played Wollongong in the NPL National Grand Final a couple of years ago. And in that game, Takero Okada scored a goal and an assist in a 3-2 win. No, sorry, 4-3 win in extra time over Lions. So yeah. it's a player who, who's played against teams up here. It's a bit like Tasku Sakia, in a way, when he came up to Brisbane a couple of years ago, having played in New South Wales and Victoria. And he he lit the league alight for, a, for that beautiful three-month period at the end of 2020. Hopefully, for Olympic sake, that Okada can do the same. Well, I'll tell I know, you. Uh, uh, speaking, you sp- I was going to say, speaking of the uh, aforementioned uh, Tusker Sakia, I know he did actually like uh, the, our post the, about uh, about Takara Carter signing. Uh, also, as well, Carter did actually play for New South Wales uh, in the uh, State v State game uh, a couple of years, a couple of seasons ago. So everyone makes mistakes. In- <laughs> <laughs> yes, in that insanely humid and stormy night at Parc de Paris to wrap up the Marathon 2020 season. Um, But yeah, that's going to be very interesting and I'm sure Olympic will take it if he can score a goal and provide an assist in the NPL Grand Final next season. 
which will probably be against Lions again. But, uh, it's good to see some big names entering the competition, though, as well, because you mentioned the Gold Coast Knights signings that have been announced this week, and Olympic have gone big, so some good some good quality players entering the NPL Queensland. It's good to see the mentor in this league that are leaving for a change. Yes, and uh, former Brisbane Raw boss, the club where he made his uh, real proper comeback into football, Ange Postacoglu uh, won the Scottish League Cup uh, with Celtic FC. And that was got and uh, very well done to him, making those uh, some of the uh, more smug Scottish pundits eat their words, as we all knew he would. Scott, I was just going to say you can hear if you listen carefully, you can hear the backpedalling and the backtracking from from Glasgow currently. <laughs> did you did you not see the the uh, ap- apology slip that was going around social media? I did see that. You can send that to a few different people over there. <laughs> For sure. All right. Um, now, uh, we are going to cover this really, really, really quickly because there really isn't any need to debate this. But um, feasibility studies point to a strong point to strong economic returns from biennial FIFA World Cup cycles. Um, I can just safely, I think I can safely speak for the three of us when I say, "Don't do it, you morons. Keep it at a four-year cycle." Seriously, what is wrong with you? How can you even think this was a bright option? Really? I mean, can someone please get Arsene Wenger a job in management? I don't care if he's managing American Samoa's national team or something. Just stop putting forward stupid suggestions like this. Why? Yeah, just why? I mean, really? I'll I'll tell you why. Yeah, it's because each of the 190-odd, whatever it is, football associations get a vote on this sort of stuff, James. A lot of them are cash-strapped. You mentioned one right there, which is probably not the most well-off, it's fair to say. A World Cup every two years, they all get a cut of the revenue. They double their profits. They double their income. Yeah. It's as simple I think as that. Also, That's why it's going to happen. It shouldn't happen. I agree with you. It's, not gonna, it's going to happen, but it shouldn't happen. But it'll be interesting to see how the players take this, actually, because the World Cup was always viewed as that thing you play in once or twice in your career, and it's always uniquely special. And whenever your country qualifies, players tend to make a big effort to be available and at their best for it. If it's every two years, are they going to make the same effort? Or are they going to say, I'll skip this one, it doesn't matter, because it's in two years again? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. All, all Sorry, I, was... I just... You go. I was just saying yeah, that, yeah, the only thing I'll say this hasn't been covered is that, look, it's it's so transparently clear that this is this is a money grab by FIFA. It's it's also it's also as well politically charged because what guess what what it replaces uh, in in most regards, uh, you know, to have a biennial World Cup, and that's and that's you know the the um, I guess the Confederation Cups like the uh, UEFA the, the U. Euros and or you know the AFC Asian Cup or the you know you know the Combo Gold Cup you know those continental you know championships so basically which you know, FIFA doesn't get cut in of you know I guess directly so this is this is what it's all about and I just think at the end of the day I think I think there is a way if if anyone's actually interested in being you know interested in cooperating for the good of the game uh, at a global level. Um, I think there actually is a there is a very very uh, simple compromise. However, I can't see it happening, especially the way that uh, FIFA and UEFA have been fighting pretty much ever since Sepp Blatter got got the ass. All right, all, 
I've been trying to uh, get this because the first thing that popped into my head uh, was this uh, quote from Mark Cuban, not about FIFA, but still appropriate. I'm just telling you, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, and they're getting hoggy. Just watch. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. When you try to take it too far, people turn the other way. I'm just telling you, when you've got a good thing and you get greedy, it always, 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 always turns on you. That's the rule number one of business. And while it might not, be, might not have been uh, applicable to FIFA when he said it in March 2014, it definitely applies to FIFA right now. Because, quite frankly, it's greedy, and you know what? It stops the World Cup being special. That is the biggest issue with it all. I'll make, I'll make FIFA a deal, James. They can have their biannual World Cups, but let's cut the teams in it. Let's cut it back to 16 teams, four groups of four, and let's, go, let's have actual... Like the best of the best there, not just teams who just don't deserve to be there. So to cut it back. Have the Euros and the Asian Cup and all the rest of it in the in-between year. But the qualifiers for that qualify you for your regional tournament and you qualify for the World Cup based on your performance in the Asian Cup. So, for example, the top three teams in Asia are the only two teams who qualify. Simple as that. Only three out of Europe. Three out of South America. Just like that. It won't happen. There's no way on earth they'd do that. They wouldn't cut it to... Oh cut the games down because that's, that's not the point of this but that's that could actually be mildly interesting if they did it that way James it, it, it would be like I said now, and like I said I, I actually think there is a way to make to, to make the, the, um, the World Cup even more special even over every four years and also as well put increased importance on the Continental Championships the problem is again FIFA aren't getting a cut of that I so look they want to the forty-eight team World Cup every two years and exactly oh ridiculous oh, God. oh forty-eight team World Cup every four years is a nightmare but unfortunately I think that's going to be a reality so I think we'll just better go grin and bear it but um, yeah no I, look I think everyone that understands football and has followed football for a very long time I think we know what this is all about and I think you know what it's ain't for the good of the game not at all okay. We'll move on because, quite frankly, there's a lot we could continue to say about that, but um, may uh, veer into... We'll get Alex's thoughts in a couple of weeks next time we do a national team yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, and also, if I keep talking about this, I may veer into defamation territory. So, uh, let's uh, take a slight turn away and talk about the upcoming games for the Brisbane Raw and uh, Gold Coast Knights as well. Uh, we'll start off with the next A-League men's game, Monday, December 27th against Melbourne City. Uh, too far away for us to really worry about at this point. Uh, it is a 5.45 kickoff up at Morton Daly Stadium, Brisbane time. Take note of that, because that did get updated in the last couple of days. Um, and we will quickly uh, now touch on the FFA Cup, because by the time you're listening to this, uh, it will almost certainly have been played. So, FA Cup round of 16. We've got Gold Coast Knights against Melbourne Victory. Uh, that is at 7... Th- I think it's 6.30pm, actually. It, I don't know. It's Wednesday night at the Croatian Sports Centre. Get down there if you can, because the more people in the crowd, the better. Um, few additions to the Knights squad. But, Adam, are you expecting uh, anything from Knights here? Do they have a chance of a cup set? It's it's a difficult one. I I I, it, I find it very difficult for Knights to to get anything else. Look, I I hope and pray. I I, I would I would love to see Gold Coast Knights, you know, get the upset, you know, against a 
you know, a Melbourne victory side that potentially, you know, has got eyes on other prizes and, you know, gets upset. But I think, you know, being in December, being on December, you know, 22nd, if this was if this was the 22nd of September or 22nd of August, I'd be very confident. But unfortunately um, for Gold Coast, too much upheaval, new coach. I don't know if they've had too much preparation for this. I think even a second string Melbourne Victory side should get the business done on the Gold Coast uh, tomorrow night as you as per the uh, date Okay, RP have proved it can be done James but this is a bit more of a difficult task it's the first game of the Scott McDonald era down there on the Gold Coast, they've had a fairly large overhaul of their squad as we've announced, as we've seen, sorry they've had a couple of players announced this week some of those will be available, some of them won't so it will be a bit of a threadbare squad perhaps it's a very tough arsenal. If they, if they can pull it off, it's probably the biggest FFA Cup upset ever when you look at it, given that they will be having not played a game in at least three months since Gold Coast Knights played a competitive game. Their last game was their Gold Coast Derby against Gold Coast United, where they were well, not at their best, it's fair to say. So they've got a bit of improvement on the back of that, but it's tough to see them getting a result. I would love to see it, but I'm, I'm not 100% convinced they can. Uh, I just don't see how they can be sharp enough to uh, compete with that one. Uh, the Raw's A-League men's side will be heading down to Netstrata Jubilee Stadium down in uh, Sydney. They'll be playing Sydney FC for their first ever spot in the FFA Cup semi-final. And uh, Warren Moon had his press conference earlier today. This is what he had to say about some of the uh, challenging conditions that the Raw squad will be facing ahead of this match. Well, no different. You know, we have our challenges. Again, um, we've, we've been... Um uh, the same day travel has been placed on us, so we have to travel fly in, fly out of the game, which is going to be a challenge and difficult yet again to try and overcome. Uh, and we've got a few unavailable players. We have three players cup-tied for this one, uh, and we have uh, unfortunately five or six injuries or unavailabilities. You know, and uh, during the week, uh, Nicola lost his father, unfortunately passed away. So we send our condolences to him and his family, and we hope he's doing well, so he won't be available for the match and. Uh, and then there's um, yeah, a few senior players that are unfortunately still not available for this game. All right, thanks to the Raw for that audio. Uh, once again, quickly on this one, uh, Scott. Well, the Raw did it against Sydney FC in the FFA Cup last year, but it is going to be a pretty bare-boned squad heading into this one. Yeah, before I get into that, I'm torn. The Raw do have a great record against Sydney FC in the FFA Cup, as you alluded to. Their record at Jubilee, however, stinks. They played five and lost four. <laughs> now the game great. was a draw, so so it's not exactly encouraging. But as you heard there from Warren, I mean, there's a number of players who are unavailable, so it will be a bit of a threadbare squad. I'll be intrigued to see just who actually rounds out the squad because there is a lot of players who are unavailable. So be intrigued to see how it lines up. It'll be a very different team, I would imagine, to the team which played against Western United almost two weeks ago. For sure, Adam. Uh, well, also just on the uh, presser audio as well, Nicola Miliusnich unfortunately uh, lost his father so condolences to him for that uh but from a footballing perspective can the raw use this as a chance to kick start their season they've had a unintentional uh bit of a break and a bit more time on the training pitch yeah look there's, there's every chance uh i'm a bit more confident about the raw's chance than i am about gold coast knights um because uh, i think also as well sydney on the short turnaround they're only just finding their confidence at the moment themselves like so they had they had a good win against uh wellington in in the league 
Um, look, I think this game will go, you know, will go at least into extra time. I believe. I, I just think that the both sides that we be so fearful of playing to, you know, playing to lose or you know to make a mistake and present the uh, opportunity. That I, I actually think this could go very, very deep, and even, you know, I think even the penalties. So, I, I hope Warren's got the boys practicing their penalties because I, I really think that you know this has potential on paper to go pretty much the distance. Well, if it does, that lucky they moved the game forward then, James, because they've got to do the fly-in, fly-out stuff. So if it does go all the way to extra time and penalties, thank goodness they moved the game forward. And also the other silver lining of the 5pm kickoff time as well. It won't clash too much with the Knights' victory game and will also leave me just enough time to uh, go and take care of the shop midnight shopping uh, to get Christmas presents sorted. So... There you go. All sorts of silver linings as we uh, head into the festive period. Now, the final match we are going to preview, because it also comes up chronologically, and it is a league match. Canberra United hosting the Brisbane Raw in the A-League Women's. I I can only really uh, ask one question about this game, and we'll start with you, Adam. Is this a match where the Raw uh, turn their season around? Uh, I don't know if it will be, because I don't want to get guarantees. But this will be this will be a very very good time for them to turn it to turn it around and put in good performance. It is away from home, but look, there's enough signs from the victory game um, that that I think that they should be able to. I think that they can get something out of this. Um, ideally, a win, but definitely, I think they're they're playing well enough uh, not not to, to lose. And uh, Canberra as well. They're they're coming off a mega long break. Uh, as well, so at least the Raw sort of have, have been ticking over as far as you know playing playing matches. So look, I, ex- I expect the Raw to bounce back. For me, momentum is huge in this, Scott. And as Adam mentioned, uh, Canberra, two losses from their two games to start the season, and only one goal so far. So if the Raw can dictate this and turn it into a shootout, don't they basic? Don't they have a huge advantage here? They have a, they do have a big advantage. To your point, they have been playing games in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Canberra, unfortunately, haven't been able to do really given the situations with Perth. The confidence, I imagine, Canberra might not be the the highest in confidence. Although they did play pretty well in their first up game against Melbourne City. That was a very very even game, which was just unfortunate for them. Went against them by the odd goal. But to your question, this has to be the day that Brisbane get the three points. This is, it's. I know it's very early in the season. It seems ridiculous to say it, but. Four games into an A-League women's season is a much bigger bigger issue and a bigger deal than four games in the A-League men's purely because of the length of the season, James. We're talking about almost 25% of the season being played in the A-League women's after this game on Thursday night for the Raw. So they really do need to get some get points on the board, and this is a great opportunity to do it against a Canberra team which is a bit short on confidence. And as we said earlier, the Raw's confidence seem to be building throughout that 90 minutes against victory. So this is a great opportunity for them to go down to the nation's capital and hopefully kickstart the season. And this is also... Sorry, just one thing. It's a 14-game season these days. Is it? In the A-League women? Um, 14 or 12? It was 12. I think they've upped it to 14 now. But ah, it's still yeah, roughly cause... 25% of the season. So yeah. It's, yeah, no, no, it's, it's I, very I important that they 12. get off the mark as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys uh, quickly talk for a second. Uh, well, I suppose... Uh, there will be some reunions taking place uh, with Canberra United as well. Keely Richards, the uh, I'm assuming next season, um, goal, uh, Logan Lightning goalkeeper as well. She'll be uh, starting for Canberra by the sounds of it. So 
chance to see her in action at the top level as well. But uh, it is 14 match weeks as I slowly fumble my Jesse way Rash through. Is going back to Canberra as well. There you go. As well as uh, uh, Isabel Fletter. So a few reunions taking place in that as well. Um, so in our next uh, edition of the Brisbane Football Review, we are going to be recapping a whole lot of football and actually just thinking ahead that may turn out to be basically the entire show just a whole lot of match recaps we've got a lot to talk about scott specifically what will be will we be talking about next week i hope to do some magic of the cup and a first win in the league for brisbane that would be nice adam uh raw women bounce back uh raw men Oh, I want to. I want to say winning a shootout. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Oh, for the FFA Cup, I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm going to say. Uh, raw uh, women's firepower proves to be too strong for Canberra, um, and for the men, they bow out of the FFA Cup, but they take advantage of McLarenless City to uh, pick up their first win of the season. So. I mean, he's suspended, isn't he? Oh, yeah. But I also believe that Jamie McLaren will be serving his one-game suspension um, in the FA Cup game t- tomorrow. Oh, no. I'm going to have to read that. You've always got to be the bearer of bad news. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. It's like calling you the Grim Reaper. Well, it was a fun idea in theory. Okay, change that. Uh, my, my background's going to have the Grim Reaper next week. <laughs> or maybe at this time of year it should be the Scrooge, actually. That might be more appropriate given the time of year we're at. Or the Grinch. <laughs> Okay, well, I thought I was being really smart and organised with all of that. I guess not. So, you know what? Screw it. We're done. That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> thank you, James, and Merry Christmas to all our listeners out there. I hope they enjoy the holiday season. And begrudgingly, thank you and Merry Christmas, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> Merry Christmas, boys, <laughs> and Merry Christmas to all our uh, listeners. Yes, thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in for another week. We hope we've uh, filled in the last hour or so with some entertainment for you in the football sense we'll be back to recap all of the uh, results and news next week in the meantime have a very merry christmas and we'll be back on the brisbane football review next week okay stop the recording okay skype is stopped